Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Kelly Tinnen. Kelly's background includes business project management, marketing, risk, hard work, and determination. She landed in the real estate industry as it was facing one of the worst financial crises since the Great Depression. As a former top-producing real estate broker in New Mexico, she learned the skills necessary to successfully consult with and negotiate with clients. She was often looked to as an expert in the real estate industry, contributing her expertise to publications. Today, she supports businesses in the government, real estate, and nonprofit sectors by helping their organizations make a measurable impact on their team's performance. With a passion for learning, her goal is to help organizations succeed. She aims to be different and unique while making a measurable impact on adult learners. She is skilled in instructional designs, organizational development, and training techniques. She strives to develop training and lead organizations in a fresh and innovative manner. She is a reformed desert dweller growing up in Arizona and relocating to New Mexico in 2005. Kelly calls Albuquerque home where a nine-year-old and a one-year-old English bulldogs, Moma and Miyagi, call the shots. In today's episode, we're talking all about training. This includes training when a new employee starts with you, training as you promote employee to a new position, and also ongoing training to help your employees gain new soft skills. Kelly shares with you what's important, where you should focus on when you bring on your first employee. We also talk about how to make sure that we don't set people up for failure as you promote them into new positions, And she shares with you the two areas all businesses should continue to focus on with their team members and provide them opportunity for personal development. Let's jump into the conversation. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Yes, I'm so excited to be speaking with you today. Can you kick us off with telling all our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So as I mentioned, my name is, is Kelly and I'm actually located in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So in the Southwest and ironically next week in Albuquerque, kind of fun fact, we're getting ready to have our international balloon fiesta, which is pretty cool. It's pretty internationally known. And next week you'll be seeing like Yoda flying through the skies in early morning, which is, which is kind of cool. I own a learning and development consulting firm here in the Albuquerque area, focusing on really helping companies make a measurable difference in their organization. So where I see a lot of, a lot of lacking in learning and development or in, in training 
is really in the, the initial needs assessment and your follow-up and evaluation to really to really see if a measurable difference is taking place. And so I, I focus on a lot of that, leadership development, team building. So really just helping people, you know, build strong teams, really make a measurable difference so that they're performing better and producing better outcomes for the consumer and really making teams and employees happier at work. And so my website is kellytinnen.com, K-E-L-L-I-E, not Y, K-E-L-L-I-E-T-I-N-N-I-N.com. That's where you can find me. All right. Thanks, Kelly. So when it comes to training, are you helping companies with training, like new hire training, helping people learn how to do their jobs, like putting together those trainings, or is it more around like kind of the soft skills, um, personal development, improvements, like those types of things? Yeah. So I actually do have a bit of a specialty in the onboarding side of things and really onboarding people to teams and to companies because statistically employers kind of across the board really kind of no fault of their own because, you know, as a business owner, we're juggling so many things. Um, Oftentimes it's, it's maybe not realize that onboarding is put, it needs to be put as a priority. And so I really do have a specialty in focusing on onboarding and helping employers onboard um, uh, employees to, to teams and to their organization. But I also focus a lot on soft skills like um, personal development, um, leadership development. Also, a lot of um, teams and new leaders don't get a lot of leadership training and it's kind of learned by fire, learned by failure. And so I focus a lot on that as well. Yes. I feel like those things are so important, both sides of it, the onboarding and the, the continual learning, the personal development, as you mentioned, like a lot of leaders don't necessarily get a whole lot of leadership training. I remember my first leadership role, formal leadership role. It was kind of just thrown in and me being like, wait, 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 I, I don't know really what I'm doing. And they kind of focused on like, oh, here are some of the systems that you now have access to as a leader. And I'm like, great. But how do I actually communicate like with my team on this different level? Because I'm no longer an individual contributor and I've always only been an individual contributor. This is well, you see the leadership skills in me. I have leadership skills. How do I now apply them? Right. And you have all of these people looking at you for direction and like, Hey, what do we do next? And it's really a different hat and a different set of eyes that you have to look at the job through when you take on that management or that leadership role and you're leading a team. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's important for like, you know, those listening, it's not just like promoting people into leadership roles. It's anytime you're putting someone in a new role, they haven't been doing that role before. There's probably new responsibilities, new ways of doing things, new ways to looking at things. And so there always needs to be that portion of training and onboarding into that new role. Yeah. Because otherwise they're just the same employee, but with a different title and possibly a different pay, pay grade. Well, exactly. And and you want to set people up to succeed. And so it's really important to, to really have those measures in place to help either, you know, mentor somebody into a new role or, um, you know, have some sort of transition period and really have those, those systems in place so that that person has an opportunity to succeed in the role because you don't want to set somebody up to fail from the get go. 
Yes. And I'm assuming that transition period needs to be more than just here's the period where you're doing both jobs as we're trying to get the one job off your plate and you to focus on this other one. It's more than just the tasks. It's that transition into the role, into the function of the position. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's not like a, like here, let's, let's have you do both jobs for a while or, or here's an afternoon with the person who's leaving and it's their Friday before they're, they're leaving. And spend the afternoon with them. It's, I mean, it's really a period of time. And I think, I think it's hard to define what that period of time might be because every person's different and every, every role that someone's being put into has different requirements and needs. And so I think defining that period of time is hard, but yeah, absolutely. And you want to have a space where, you know, maybe that many, maybe that manager that's, that put them into that role is checking in with them. Like there's this constant kind of two-way communication and, and feedback, like, Hey, what's going on? How's it going? How are you feeling about this? What are you struggling with? What are the challenges? You know, how can we help you? You know, what things are you seeing that, you know, because everyone again looks through something through a different set of eyes. So, hey, what are you seeing immediately that maybe, you know, we we can address or we can fix or we can kind of put on that long-term goal plan? Like, hey, like this is a new initiative. Maybe we can implement things like that. Right. Yeah. That open communication to really not just throw someone into the fire to help them succeed once once they're there and that role, you know, that is super, super important. And, you know, you kind of talked about like before, um, like the measurements put in place to really gauge like the impact of like training and development. And I know some of that might be more of like, kind of like those, those kind of some of bigger trainings and everything, but I feel like that's really important here in these, these position onboardings as well. But, it, you know, thinking about the lines along the lines of, when is it okay to kind of like let go of the training wheels? You know, what are these milestones that need to be reached? I know when I'm working with some of my clients and we're creating onboarding plans or delegation plans, because a lot of the business owners I work with, they're, they've been doing those tasks forever. And now it's like, oh, wait, I have to trust someone else to do it. And they need that kind of like stair-step approach to get to that trust level. It's not just like here, give it to them, let them run on it, like on their own. And it's probably the same, like there is, as people are going into new positions, having sometimes that, that those milestones or those measure, those measurable things to say, okay, they're ready for the next thing, or they're ready to go and operate this independently. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's a really valid point. And that's, I mean, that's really important. And, and one thing that comes to mind for me is why couldn't the two individuals sit down and come up with that together? Why couldn't we say, like, I'll use you as an example, like, hey, Jamie, you're going to jump into, you know, you're taking, you know, we're, we're promoting you into this role. Like, let's sit down and, you know, from a, you know, performance standpoint, let's really sit down. These are some of, these are some of the milestones that, that I'm thinking in terms of, you know, how this transition should go. Like, what are you, you know, what are you feeling and can we get on the same on the same page. I think, I think sometimes there's a disconnect and again, not intentional. It's just kind of the way we operate sometimes in silos instead of like kind of more openly. And so why not sit down together and come up with those miles, come up with those milestones collectively saying, you know, I kind of think of it from the approach of like mediation. Like if we can both come up with it together, we're both, you know, we're both in agreement and we're both more likely one side will be happier. And one side I think is set up to succeed. 
Yes, I definitely see that. I would say probably the biggest resistance, if I had to be in the the minds of uh, of our listeners right now, the biggest resistance would be control and being like, but they don't know what they don't know yet. I have to do a lot of teaching them and training them. And now my advice, and I want to get your opinion too, Kelly, is for that, it's, it's okay. Maybe you have the framework of the training. You have these like milestone markers and everything already kind of figured out, but then bringing them into the conversation of really developing that it's bringing them into the conversation of how do you think things are going? Where do you think you are as you're going through it? And then it gets to the point where, okay, maybe you're doing that training again with somebody and then you can like bring them in more to that. Or if you're promoting that person that you've are now you already have that trust with, you already have that connection with into another position, making them more involved in those conversations up front. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great too. I'm a hundred percent, um, you know, bringing them into that conversation. How are you feeling about this? Like, you know, what are your challenges? How do you feel you're progressing? And, and, and things like that. And yeah, maybe you have to, you know, there's a point where you're, re, you know, we need to go back and revisit this because I'm struggling with this piece. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. I, I think anything that you can, that you can do, well, I mean, I shouldn't say anything, but I think the more <laughs> things shouldn't say anything, I guess, but the more things that you can do, I think to make it a collaborative process. And I hate the word collaborative because I feel like it's like, let's collaborate, let's collaborate. It's like so overused. But for lack of a better term, the more things you can do to collaborate and really make it a two-way process, I think you're going to get better results. Yes. Yes. I definitely agree. People want to feel like they're a part of things versus just being told to do things. Um, Especially because I know most business owners I help with through the hiring process, one of the first things they say is, I don't have time to micromanage. I need a self-leader in the role. Well, if you really want a self-leader in the role, you need to give them an environment where they can be a self-leader for all aspects of the role, not just where you're willing to let go of the control. So yeah, like I, I love that. Like, like you said, lack of a better word, collaborate with them. You want them to be leaders in their role, help them be leaders in their role. And yeah, especially when they're brand new, they don't know what they don't know yet. So you have to help them fill in that gap, help them see those things, but they have strengths and stuff that they're bringing to the table that you can leverage when you're creating these onboarding plans. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, I think that's an interesting point that you bring up too. Um, What comes to my mind is like people, I think, especially today want ownership over their job and want ownership to be able to kind of take on what they're doing, where I think in the past with previous generations, it may have been more of a one way, like you do, you do this, you come in every day, you do this, this is what you do. And I, and I really think that that work environment is, is changing. We have our millennials that are already kind of ingrained into the workforce and our Gen Z, which are up and comers. And I think they have different expectations from their job, uh, from leading people and, and really what they want out of that. Right. Exactly. And I think that is, that's such a great point. So let's, let's talk a little bit about onboarding kind of like your very, very first team member. Cause I know this is a stress point and a lot of stuff we've already talked about can definitely fill in here, fill, help fill in these gaps. But I know for a lot of people, they're like, I've never had to onboard or train someone before, you know, where do I even start? How do I get things out to this person? And, um, a business owner, I was actually just recently speaking with, like, she was stressing herself out because she was envisioning she needed this complete 
perfectly polished onboarding plan, like training and everything from the get-go. And I, I sat back and I had told her, I was like, you're not going to have that yet because what? You've never done this before. You've never onboarded to train someone in this position. You have to get things out of your minds and to them. So I was like, so if you spend all that time doing those perfect onboarding plans for the first time around, it's not going to be right. And you're going to have to redo it for the next person. And she's like, well, in corporate, they have these great onboarding plans. I was like, but they didn't create it with the first person. Sometimes even when they're doing new, new rollouts of systems and applications, what do they have? They have a beta group that goes through it. So take the stress off of trying to be perfect the first time around. But what tips do you have other than the things that we've already talked about that could help that business owner that's stressing over onboarding their very first team member? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's a good point. Um, and that's something that's hard to let go of is like always remembering that like, like everything is one big, you know, one big iteration, so to speak. Like we're always innovating, always changing, Um, and so I think kind of like you mentioned, number one, understanding that, Hey, it it doesn't have to be perfect is one thing to remember, but we're on, you know, like you mentioned too, it depends on the company, you know, we've got, you know, big corporate companies that have this formalized onboarding and, you know, all of this great marketing that goes along with it. And you don't have to have that to be successful, um, in onboarding your employees. I, what I do think is important is having a plan, even if it's, even if it's simple in nature, we're onboarding our first employee, what are they going to, you know, what are they going to do obviously, but what's our plan? When we bring them into the company, you know, their first day, what's our, you know, what's our plan? Are they, are they going to have a mentor or a buddy, so to speak, within the company, even if it, even if it's small to be able to go to and ask questions, what's our environment like? How are we, you know, speaking about our culture and how are we, you know, is what we're speaking about our culture really matching what we're doing? So if, you know, we're, we say we're inclusive, and, you know, we're inviting and we, you know, we do these sorts of things. Are we doing those sorts of things with our new employee to bring them in the fold? Are we, you know, taking them, you know, taking them to lunch? Or do we have that mentor checking in with them? Um, you know, really, what is our process? I mean, I think having a plan um, it is really important, even if it's simple, just outlining, okay, the first week, this is, you know, we have to get obviously the basics and the stuff out, you know, out of the way. Um, but again, how are we bringing them into the fold and in the culture? Do we have somebody that they can kind of team up with as a mentor or a buddy over a period of time to really get integrated with the company? Ask, you know, asking questions, you know, simple things like from where's the bathroom to, Hey, how do I not, na- how do I navigate, you know, asking for my, asking for a day off or an afternoon off to go to the dentist. You know, those are all things I've been an employee before. And, and those are all things that we don't really think about, but I think little things that people are afraid to ask. And so just kind of thinking through that process, even if it's just kind of a really simple outline that you have in a checklist even in something like Trello, you know, week one, we're going to do this week two, these are our milestones week three, and just kind of keeping that person engaged. Because the thing that you don't want to do is show them to their desk and peace out. And you don't see them again until, until Friday. That's where you kind of really lose people, right? They're just out there kind of, you know, kind of floating and feeling lost. 
right? Where they're like, what do I do? What am I supposed to be working on? Um, Exactly. Like you mentioned, like the little things like showing them where the bathroom is, like telling them how to request time off, like those things that you don't think about because once you're ingrained in a, in a company, like you just do, you just know. And especially like sometimes your first employee, you're still trying to figure out some of those things. Like what is your vacation policy? How did they request time off? How are you tracking it? So you're sometimes you're still figuring things out, but you can at least tell them here's the process for the time being things might change. One of the things I always tell people to do is I always say like onboarding starts before that employee's first day. It's, you know, kind of welcome them into the company and helping them like navigate how that first day is going to go. And one of the things I always say, people overlook telling their first employee, but I feel is very important is especially if they're full-time or they're working over lunch is what are the plans for lunch? Is it that they're going to have a hour break, a 30 minute break where they're welcome to go out and get lunch. Are you bringing them to lunch? Do you have like, is your business building or something there where there's an onsite cafeteria, like those things there, like lunch sometimes on the first day of work stresses people out. They're like, well, I don't want to bring my lunch and then have it be that awkward thing. Like, oh, everyone goes out to lunch or we're going to, I'm going to go treat you and I'm ordering food in. And you're like, oh yeah, I brought this lunch for no reason. Or you don't bring a lunch because you're like, well, maybe there's these different plans. And then like all of a sudden your new hire gets stuck in this thing where they don't have enough time because like where your office is and how long the break is for them to actually go get lunch that they're starving. So I'm like, it's it's the little things that you don't think about, but make a big difference in that employee's first day. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned lunch because that, that is so true. That's kind of like a nerve wracking, a nerve wracking thing, maybe just because I like food, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's an important time of day for me. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Those little things like that, that, that you can do to help to relieve some, somebody's stress level, I think make a lot of difference. Yes. Yes, definitely. Okay. So before we really come to the, like, uh, before we run out of time today, there's, I want to take a little switch of things. So we talked a lot about onboarding and training and getting that person up to speed when they're new to a role, which is all great information, but I want to talk about that, the development and that kind of that ongoing training and everything else. So if we think about like the businesses that you have worked with or the businesses that, you know, and what is one of the top soft skills that you think more businesses should spend time working with their employees on, helping them improve in that area? Two things that come to mind, communication skills and giving feedback and really some leader, some leadership skills, like some basic leadership skills. I, I think they're good. I think they're good for everybody. And in positions that I've been in in the past and companies that I've worked for in the past, that's where, that's where I see the need. And and even within myself, like, I mean, you know, I am by no means perfect and, oh, you know, we're always trying to improve. And those are two areas, I think, not just myself, but other, other companies, other leaders, other organizations can, can really improve on. I think those are very, very important. Um, Communication skills are essential for pretty much every role. And sometimes I feel like too many people rely on strong communication skills for their external focus team members, but it's really important for the internal focus team members yeah. as well. As mm-hmm. simple as how do you communicate status updates? You know, yeah. how do you hand off things? Like there's always a handoff. There's always an interaction. And then also I feel like a part of it is, um, 
because you mentioned before, like inclusivity and everything, how do you communicate with people who might be coming in from different cultures, different abilities, you know, things like that? Like if you have a team member who maybe is on the autism spectrum, how do you Mm -hmm. communicate with that team member? So you're not making them uncomfortable in ways that you're getting the best out of them and things like that. Like, I feel like this, there's so much you can learn about communication that is more that you should focus more like sometimes internally, instead of just that outside customer communication. Yeah. Oh, I hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think probably more, I think there's a lot of focus on how to communicate with the consumer. And a lot of times I think that's because that's where, you know, that's where people's money line is, so to speak. It's, it's with the consumer, but really that you're absolutely right. That communication internally with, you know, with your teammates is really important. And I encompass in communication, a lot of things it's, you know, the the verbal stuff, but like you said, the, um, people from different cultures communicate differently. And even we all bring our own like kind of prior baggage, so to speak, to work and into our life and like our life experiences, I think also impact the way that we communicate with people and impact the way that we receive communication from people. And so I think that's important to recognize as well. And so just how, you know, how do we listen? Well, how do we really understand what people are saying? Like for instance, the, the autism spectrum, so to speak, I've worked with somebody who, you know, openly fell, you know, kind of fell into that category and and was open about it, which was appreciative because there were times um, when we would communicate and this individual would say something and I'd have to take a step back and say, okay, can you tell me what, can you tell me what you really mean? Like, did you, did you like, I just want to make sure like the way that that sounded was, you know, much more harsh than what we're really talking about. So can, can we get on the same page? And so just being able to, able to understand those nuances with individuals, but also I think, um, Amy Edmondson, I'm a fan of hers. I read, um, her book teaming and, she talks about psychological safety, which I know has been talked a, a lot about, but that's an element of it too. Being able to be comfortable, like saying those things like, Hey, let me take a step back for a moment. Is this, is this what you meant? And being able to create that environment where you're comfortable being able to say that to people and it, things like that to people and vice versa. I think that's all part of communication. And I don't, I just don't think that's something that we practice enough in the workplace. Yes. Especially like, I love the way you just like said that of like, confirming meaning behind the communication, because we all say things differently. We all have different tones, different backgrounds, different things where what, how things sound and what we mean behind our communication isn't always the way people interpret it. So instead of being like, whoa, can you believe they just said that? Like, and then like having those negative reactions, it's like, okay, let me, let me confirm. Let's dive a little bit deeper into this. And if it really is like, okay, that, that harsh tone was there, you weren't like just interpreting differently. Why is it there? How can then we, that instead of like being like leaving that conversation of in that, like maybe frustrated or angry, uh, emotions, figuring out how do we, how do we deal with it? How do we get to that next stage? Which then of course ties a lot into the leadership training that you say a lot of people need. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and just to kind of, you know, piggyback on that point, one more thing that came to mind is we have a lot more remote workers now. And so people are dealing with other things at home, like the dogs barking, the doorbell ringing, you know, maybe a kid's home for the afternoon. And so you just never know if like they had to wrestle, you know, 
wrestle the dogs off of each other because they're playing too roughly in the backyard and like their comment came after something like that. And so you just, yeah, you just never know. And, and how does this piggyback into leadership training? I think, I think they go hand in hand. I mean, communication and teams and being, you know, being a, being the best leader that you can be, I think, I think, are you know, are really complementary to each other. You know, the better that you can communicate with your team and the better and more comfortable that they are communicating with you, I think people are going to be happier, more in, on the whole, more in, you know, more engaged in what they do. And for lack of a better term, I think when people, you know, are comfortable, they feel like they're heard. If you need to, them to get in the, to get in the trench and, and dig the trench, so to speak, I think when you, when some of those things align along with like trust and building trust, and I think communication, good communication builds trust, you know, you will have people that will go to bat for you. Right. And vice versa and vice versa. Yes. Yes, definitely. Like so much of what you're saying there is I, I do some uh, coaching with students going through the MBA program at one of the colleges in our area. And through the course that we provide that coaching through with through the MBA program, there's other people. It's also a tied to their leadership certificate program. So we have one of the groups that goes through it. It's a local business that sends a group of people in their organization through this leadership program every, every semester. And we were just last night having the kickoff meeting for it. And that's kind of like some of the things that were brought up. It's like, you're creating this sense of like leadership where your team goes to bat for you. You're going to bat for your team. Like, you know, this is, is there's this wonderful, like give and take, because you've built this trust, you've built this relationship where, you know, you have each other's backs, you know, throughout, throughout everything. And, um, you know, to kind of like circle that back with some of the other things that we were talking about with leadership is it's so important, like leadership training, as I think you mentioned before, not just for those in formal leadership positions, official leadership positions, it is every position should have every team member should have leadership abilities to lead within their role. Help you know, is one of those things where people always think leadership as manager employee. Yep. And it's like leadership goes all different ways. It also goes leadership back up to that manager from that employee and also peer leadership, where yes, you're not in charge of them, but there's still that leadership aspect to the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I think of two instances, actually, a project I'm working on now. And um, there's a there's a team of like three of us on this particular project. And, and we all really have that synergy with one another in terms of like, somebody's going to pick up the slack in this area. Hey, I see we need, you know, I see we need this. And so let me pick this up here. And you know what, I'll pick this up here. And we all kind of kind of really bounce that energy off of each other because we're, you know, we all, we all have different strengths in terms of our leadership within this role in this project. And so we're really playing to those strengths and early, early, very early on in my career. um, In one of the roles that I worked in for a a local newspaper um, in the city with that, I grew up in the same sort of thing. I mean, there was two of us filling in for um, a team of four. We had one that was out on jury duty and one that was on maternity leave. And the two of us, because of our leadership and our ownership of our own roles, were able to meet the goals of a four-person team. And so I think when you have, I think that's such a valid point. Like people think 
when they think of leadership, they think of that manager employee, but we can all take ownership and be leaders in our own role. And that impacts our teammates and it impacts our customers. I mean, it really just enhances that whole process. It really just, it really can make it better. I think that's a valuable way to look at things and would hope that more companies and more people would think of leadership training because of how it can impact and how it can add value to the role that you do, even if you're not classified as a manager, so to speak. Right. Exactly. When you were speaking, it reminded me of one of the teams that I managed back in corporate. And I remember one day a manager for, uh, who was managing a very similar team asked me, she goes, you know, she was overwhelmed and she goes, how do you deal with, you know, this X, Y, Z on your team? And I'm like, I don't, I don't have to deal with that for, for my team because they deal with it themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it was a matter of someone was going to be out of the office and trying to find someone who would just be that point of contact for their accounts when they were out of the office. And they're like, how do you find backups for your team? I'm like, I don't get involved in those conversations. You know, my team is, is full of the self leaders that jump in and help each other out because they know that, well, they're going to be out of the office one day and they need that support. Um, but then I feel like my team would sometimes take it a step farther is they would know a team member was going to be out of the office. And sometimes that team member who was going to be out would be like, okay, I want to make sure everything is tied up in a perfect little bow before I'm out. So I want to get this done and get this done. So people don't have to deal with it while I'm out. And they only have to deal with moving the things forward that they couldn't get to, or the things like we're waiting on client approval or stuff like that. The other team members who would be going to be backing up that team member would jump in and help out that person before they were even out of the office to say, I want to help you feel like you're in a good spot before you go on vacation. So you're not stressing. And I was like, so not only would my team be the self-leaders to jump in and volunteer to back each other up, also helping that person when it wasn't even their job yet to take over any of that work. And I was like, because they're self-leaders, they understand, they have each other's back. They've built those relationships and trust and they understand when, like, when one person succeeds, they all succeed within the team. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and that's a good feeling. And it's a good feeling, I think for, you know, for those individuals as well, because, you know, they're, they're managing it themselves. They have a process and exactly. I don't need to get in and micromanage that process. They've got it worked out how it works for them. Yeah. Yes, definitely. All right. So we are coming to the end of our time today together, Kelly. So thank you so much for all the information that you shared today, but before we wrap up, can you tell everyone again, how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on the web. You can find me at www.kelly, K-E-L-L-I-E, Tinnin, T-I-N-N-I-N.com. You can find me on LinkedIn under Kelly Tinnin Consulting, LLC, or Instagram, The Kelly Tinnin. And on Instagram, you can see pictures of my, my two fur babies, Momo and Miyagi. All right. Well, thank you. All right. And one more question that I love to ask all my guests. We have all had leaders or managers that stood out to us. Think of the most impactful leader or manager that you have had or that you've had the privilege of knowing. And can you share with us one thing that made them stand out as a great leader to you? Yeah, absolutely. So in this case, I'll give a shout out to my, one of my former managers. Um, Her name is, is Bridget and we worked together. Well, it's been about about four or five years ago, but her and I still remain in, in close contact together. And the thing, some of the things I admire about her is 
um, her positive nature, not that I'm not a positive person. That's not what I mean at all, but (laughs) (laughs) she's positive. I'm just not, no, (laughs) no. Um, but she's always looking at things through and through like a lens of optimism where I tend to kind of lie a little bit more on like, like evaluating the risk side of things. And so I think that that complements each other. Well, um, I do have to tell her that she doesn't give herself enough credit for how smart she really is, but she has supported me through my career. Um, even when I left working for her after she had really advocated for me to get into a training role at the company we were working together with, I left and went to take another role, not for a competitor, but for an association, a trade association in our industry. And she still supported that, supported me through that role. Um, she's just somebody who really wants to see me succeed. And she's a great mentor and support. Uh, to me, even, even to this day, I still meet with her, bounce ideas off of her. Um, She tries to help me in, you know, in any way that she can. And, and I just, that's been really valuable to me. So I hope others can have the opportunity to have somebody like that in their life, who has been, you know, a good leader to them and just continues to be a good mentor. Yeah. And I think like, that's one of the important things about a leader is like, you know, you're no longer reporting to that person, but that person still values you. They saw you as more than just a worker. They saw you for like who you are and helping you and encourage you on what's best for you. And knowing at times that's not always keeping you as an employee and as a part of the company. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the growing your team podcast, Kelly. You were a wonderful guest. Thank you. I enjoyed uh, talking with you. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.